And I think that's like a moment where I look back and I'm like, yeah, running is not an individual sport when like so much motivation comes from other people, at least for me. Hey, I'm Caroline, and you're listening to In Her Nature, the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. Hey, friends. Welcome to In Her Nature. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We have an excellent episode on the docket today with a friend, Lucy. She um, won the Speed Project this year. We will get totally into it. Don't worry if all these things are sounding like chaos. I'll explain it. We're getting there. Um, Before we jump into our episode today, I did want to give some In Her Nature news, I guess. One of our friends of the podcast, her name is Annie Hughes, placed third at Hard Rock this year. So if you're not aware of Hard Rock, it's a crazy cool trail race out in Colorado. And it's 100 miles, a lot of elevation or like vertical feet you run. And Annie placed third, Courtney DeWalter one and then a woman from France placed second. So a lot of really amazing people in the race this year. Annie was the youngest runner like in the entire field this year. So we're super proud of her. Hopefully we'll have an episode with Annie coming up shortly. But in the meantime, I just wanted to give a little shout out and say we're thinking of you, Annie, and we're so proud of you. If you have any fun, exciting things that you're up to, let us know. Hit us up on social media at In Her Nature Pod. We would love to see what you're up to. We have a Strava club. So if you're not aware of Strava, it's like Instagram for athletes in athletes and like air quotes. You know what I mean? It's Instagram for like your activities. And so it's fun. You get to stay in touch with people that like, you know, in that space, we have a Strava club called In Her Nature. You can join it and kind of see what everyone else is up to. Find maybe like a running partner. I went for a run this morning with one of our old episode guests, Emma. She did our climbing episode and it was crazy. We ran eight miles and it felt like we ran like a half mile. I mean, not in terms of effort. I was sweating a lot, but in terms of like enjoyment, mental factor, it was so wonderful. So get out there, find people to bike, run, bake bread with, you know, do all the things. And hopefully our Strava club can um, get you there. So a couple other things on the agenda before we jump into the fun today. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. We are looking to grow in any way we can, and we think word of mouth is the best way to do it. So send it to a friend, a lover, a maybe not a friend, maybe an old training partner, you know, you name it. Just send over an episode you think that person would enjoy. And we would really appreciate it. If you like this episode, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You've heard it a million times, but it does really help us on our end. So we appreciate it. Thanks for all that. We appreciate you being here. So final thing, disclaimer, this is not the whole story. We say it every episode. Um, We are not professionals. That's kind of the whole point of this little project. Um... Lucy is pretty close to one, but anywho, we're not professionals. We don't know the whole story. We don't know like everything you need to know. So ask a professional, ask like a medical professional, a coach, you know, get the whole story. We're not telling you everything you need to know here, but hopefully it will get you pointed in the right direction. Okay. Now that we've cleared our hurdles that we have to get over before every interview, I want to give some context about Lucy before we jump into the interview. So Lucy is incredible. She is an athlete. She works a lot in like the summer camp space. We had so much in common. It was like really fun to talk to her. I felt like like a fast friend. I could talk to her forever. So Lucy did this thing called the Speed Project. And it's this project where people run from LA to Las Vegas. And the idea is you do it in the fastest way you can. You can do it 
by yourself solo or you can do it in a relay form so lucy has done both we talk about both experiences she did the relay first and then decided she wanted to do it solo after so you can kind of look through i mean this happened in the springtime but you can look through her instagram page it's called tsp underscore solo underscore lucy and you can go back through and see kind of everything that they did and the team did and it's so cool but the whole gist of their kind of idea was they wanted to do it with an all-female crew so Lucy was the star of the show but then she had a bunch of other supporting castmates that were all like female and I just think that is so cool Um, and I found this on their Instagram page about why they did an all-female crew and I just wanted to highlight it because I thought it was just really interesting so despite the fact that women make up about 40% of athletes overall only 4% of sports media covers women's sports I think that's pretty evident especially with the World Cup and stuff going on right now Um, There's a lot of really bleak statistics that they (laughs) give towards women in sports, but there is some good news in the running community. So in the U.S., women make up 57% of finishers. That's around 10 million women racing all sorts of distances. And participation in running events has been up 25% compared to men, which has been up 7%, so kind of sick. 33% of ultra finishers were female compared to 25% in 2002. And women are actually like around 0.5% faster than men in races longer than 195 miles. Turns out running from LA to Vegas is longer than 195 miles. Lucy did an amazing thing and we are so excited to have her on today. We really talk about how these goals that are big, scary, and crazy, you really need a crew of people that are going to help you get there. It's not solo in the sense that you're the only one putting in the work you have a huge crew so truly when you want to pursue those scary big cool goals you need to surround yourself with people that are going to help you get you get you there and so that's why the whole idea of the episode is running as a team sport so like i said follow tsp solo lucy on instagram really interesting um lucy is just fabulous and without further ado we are so excited to jump into our interview for joining me today on In Her Nature. Um, I'm so excited to get into like all this ultra stuff and all this endurance stuff, but how are you doing? Where are you coming from us at? Like, give us the update today. Great. Um, Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm in New Orleans. I've lived here for the last uh, 11 years. And um, when I'm not running, I run a summer camp called Live Oak that has a bunch of other leadership programs that we do and wilderness trips. And so I spend a lot of time outside with kids. Um, and then I do some work for schools in data and analytics. So sort of very different jobs, but both very fun. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's spring in New Orleans, which is like the best time of year, tons of festivals and, um, it's starting to get hot summer, summer weather. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I am right now. I love it. I am. Um, I'm a pretty big Grateful Dead fan and Dead and Co just was at Jazz Fest. And so my my partner and I were streaming or like trying to figure out how to get access to it. So I am jealous. You have really good live music down there. Oh, it's so good. I go to every day of Jazz Fest. I was joking. It's seven days, but there's like all these days between there's all these night shows. And I was joking the whole week that the reason I ran the speed project was to train for jazz fest. So I could have the stamina to go to so much live music. So, um, yeah, I, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of new Orleans. Oh my God. That's iconic. Honestly, it is an endurance sport when you're like about, I don't know if you're an extrovert or an introvert, but like, it's a long week at the end of those seven days, I'm sure. 
Yeah. And it's hot out and you have to like, you have to be hydrated. You have to like, remember to go get food. Like there's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap, I think, between spending a ton of time at Jazz Fest and running an ultra. That is, I mean, that needs to be the like tagline of, of the episode. I think that's so <laughs> iconic. Um, okay. So you alluded a little bit to the speed project. I want to bounce that down the road a little bit. We'll get there. Cause you were a human before the speed project. Like how did yeah. you get into endurance sports? Like, were you team sport athlete kind of kid? Like, where did you grow up in the yeah. running sphere? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Baltimore and I played a ton of team sports as a kid. So I played lacrosse, which is really big in Baltimore. That was my main sport. I played basketball. I played soccer for a little while, field hockey, tennis. I sort of just was an active, excitable kid. My parents were like, okay, just go ahead and get a really scheduled in some sports, um, get that energy out. And uh, I really saw running as a way to make the sports that I played more enjoyable. Like it was way more fun. I played midfield and lacrosse. It was way more fun if I was not dying from being out of shape. And so I ran, but really only to get in shape for team sports. And then I considered playing lacrosse in college and ended up at the university of Virginia where I played club lacrosse, which was like the most fun, um, a combination of like getting to do what I love, but also being able to um, have a big life outside of sports. I get involved in a lot of other things. Um, it just doesn't have the same commitment level that being an NCAA athlete has. Uh, and because of that, I decided that I would sign up for my first marathon because I was like, oh, I need some more activities because this is just, you know, it's three times a week and I, I want to make sure I'm staying in shape. And so I had never run more than five miles and I was like, all right, just let's go for the marathon. Um, and I think, I just really liked the idea of doing something that was really hard and that seemed sort of crazy. Um, and I did enjoy running. It wasn't like I was feeling annoyed when I had to go train. Um, and so I continued from there and ran uh, the Richmond Marathon every year of college. And then I got to run the New York Marathon after I graduated and qualified for Boston in 2017 and got to run it. And so um, that was sort of I was into distance running. I really liked it. And then I helped to start this summer camp that I work for currently. And the, one of the other founders, Jack, he was really into ultra running and had run a bunch of hundred mile races. And he was like, you got to try it. You're going to love it. And I was like, you're crazy. But then I signed up for a 50 miler and I was like, oh, wow, this is fun. The next day I signed up for another 50 miler that was like in six weeks, like immediately after and I sort of just haven't looked back. So I did a 50 miler, I did uh, another 50 miler and then a 100 miler, like sort of within the span of a couple months and then have just continued from there. That story is so funny to me because I am seeing myself in so many bits of this too. Like, so I grew yes. up in Northern Virginia and I would go down to UVA and like run with friends around there. Like I, there's this, you probably know it better than I do, but there's this really iconic running shop in Charlottesville. Yeah. And I remember going there and like getting a pair of shoes there when I was like 14, you know, and yeah. then you're in college and you're like, I'm a little bit bored, but I also am like doing way too much to be bored. So why don't I like physically exhaust myself with the marathon? Like I did exactly. that too. And, um, <laughs> I actually ended up not running it because I, I kind of overbooked myself a little bit. So, which is a classic story to me, but I love this idea of like, yeah, I think I could probably do it. So I might as well try it. You know, like the worst thing that happens is we just don't do it. Yeah. 
And, and I think the other thing for me was it was, I really think that running is a, a, an incredible way to learn a new city. And so I ran all over Charlottesville, like everywhere. It's a beautiful place to run. There's a trail, the Rivana, tra Rivana River Trail that goes like all around the city. Um, and then even if you're not on that trail, just running the roads of Charlottesville are, are super fun. My RA, my freshman year of college was training for the New York Marathon. So we ended up doing all these long runs together. And it's like so funny because at the time I was like running is an individual sport, but here I am like the only reason I'm doing these training runs is because of like this friend that I've made who was also running. And I think that's like a moment where I look back and I'm like, yeah, running is not an individual sport when like so much motivation comes from other people, at least for me. Yeah. And that's kind of like what we want to get at today is like, yeah, running can seem really isolating and like an individual sport because I remember as a kid I was told like yeah Carolyn you don't have the best attitude for team sports you should be a runner because I'm like so competitive sometimes and so but I think that's wrong because to succeed you really need other people's help and especially in ultras like it only takes one person to be like hey have you thought about doing this and you're like no but I'm kind of interested and then they kind of coax you along too so I mean take it with a grain of salt. You want to make sure that person's a good guiding post for you, but I want to get into the sense of community and it's cool that it happened pretty early on for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and I can think of a moment from my very first 50 miler. It was in Mississippi, like a tiny race and I was doing pretty well. I, I, I was, you know, near, near the, I was in the top five, I think. And on the last lap, it's a looped course. And this woman at this aid station who I like, you know, have just met, I'm like run up, I'm like getting my snacks, refill my water. I like try to be really friendly to everyone because that's like, makes it more fun. And she's like, did you know there's a woman ahead of you? And she's only ahead of you by like a few minutes. And she looks not as happy as you do. She was like, I think you can catch her. And I don't know this woman. She doesn't know me, but immediately I was like, my little competitive brain was like, all right, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. And so I ended up catching that woman and finishing second. And it, it's like all because this random woman was like, I believe in you. I believe you can do it. Um, and so it's, that's like a real, that moment stands out to me as I continue to run ultras just from like that very first race and the impact that one person's words can have on your mindset about yourself and what you can achieve. I like, I could not co-sign that more. I think that is just one of the most beautiful things about these crazy endurance sports is the people that do them are so cool and also have really unique backgrounds and like have such interesting stories to tell. Like I, not to get off topic, but my first ultra ever, it was night. It was like a really early May race. Wisconsin's cold. It was a cold spring, a lot of cold training runs and the day was 90 degrees. And so like, I'm not a hot girl. Like I am a cold weather girl. And so like, it was just early on in the race that I started to feel bad. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Hey, this is my, I've never run a marathon before. I just jumped right up to a 50 K. Cause I was like, I don't want to deal with the whole marathon thing. Like, we're just going to go straight into it. Yes. I like that. And, um, I just remember, like I sat, I had no friends or family there cause they were all like at graduations or, you know, whatever. So I just rolled up, did it. And this lady I'm sitting down, I'm I'm a little upset. And she's like, okay, how can I help you? And I'm like, I honestly don't even know. And she's like, okay, I know what I'll do. And she just like totally took charge. And after the race, I remember going up to her and being like, I, I don't know your name. Like, thank you so much for helping me. And she was like, don't even worry about it. And like, we were talking about dentistry and all this stuff and like really bonding over stuff. And I was like, wow, this is just like, of all places, what is happening right now? This is so cool. <laughs> 
I think that's that's what really pulled me out of marathons and into ultras. And there's lovely people that run marathons, but the culture around ultras of just the community and helping each other and strangers helping strangers is just so exceptional and just is something that I really, really love. Uh, really love about them. I think that's so cool. I'm glad we got into this early because it is the thing that like why I keep going back to ultras. And I think it's just so cool. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience in them yet, but like they just are so cool because of the community. So I want to get into the speed project. Lucy, can you give us the lowdown on speed project? What is it? Some of our audience members are like not even runners, let alone ultra trail runners. So can you from a really high level, tell us what the speed project is? Yes, it is a unsanctioned race that starts at the Santa Monica Pier in Los Angeles and ends at the Las Vegas sign. And there's no route that's prescribed. You can do whatever you want. Um, You're not allowed to run on highways. And other than that, there's like no real rules. So you can't run on like an interstate. Um, But it was started by this really cool guy named Nils. He, He and his friends basically just wanted to see if they could run from LA to Vegas relay style. And they did it. And then since then, Every year, there have been more and more teams from all over the world um, that have come to do it. Um, And three years ago, they started having people run it solo. So the entire distance by themselves. It is a really cool experience and sort of unlike a lot of other things. Um, And yeah, is that is that a does that cover? Yeah, I love that. Um, How long is the distance between L.A. and Vegas for the people that didn't follow the speed project? Yeah, it ranges. So because there's no route. So the original route that Nils and his friends ran was 340 miles. And that is on sort of roads that like a car could drive on or like an RV could drive on um, or a van. The route that I took when I did it this year, um, I got down to 290. um, But we had to drive on power line roads that are sort of off-road only used by the power line companies to maintain these power lines that run through the desert between LA and Vegas. I think another team got down to like 282 or something. So people are always looking for shorter, more direct routes. And the team that has, I, the one of, there was a ton of scouting that happened during COVID because people were like, had a lot of free time. And so a major, a major shortcut was discovered then. And and since then people are always looking for shorter routes, but roughly 290 or 340, depending on what, what way you go. Yeah. And you travel that all under your own power. So that's not like you get to kind of cut a little bit. That's like, you are physically moving that distance, which is so rad. Like that is so cool. Um, I didn't know it was like not a set distance itself. Like I didn't know there was a plea, like the route isn't planned ahead of time. Yeah. So it's, um, it's really interesting because I, you know, everyone sort of plans their own route. And one of the things I loved this year, I mean, back to the community that's in ultra running is all the solo runners had like multiple zoom calls with each other. We had a like group chat. People were sending like, here's my route that I'm going to take. Here's advice I have for you. Here's what I've heard about, about this section. A couple of people like went and scouted some of the sections and they like, they were happy to send pictures. They sent notes. And so I think there's real sense of community around, like, we're all going to do this really hard thing. We're probably not going to run together most of the time, but we do want to share the sort of like collective knowledge. 
So I was like in New Orleans, zooming in on Google Maps, like really close on satellite view and like dropping the little man, you know, you can drop and see the street view. I like became a professional at Google Maps and um, made this sort of elaborate guide for my route that had the like runner directions and then the RV directions and then the car directions, because sometimes what the RV had to do was like different than the car, but it was really just like a fun, a fun puzzle. It was like a fun sort of thing to try to figure out. And then you're also trying to imagine yourself running every step of this entire like 290 mile route. And so that's pretty crazy. It's giving like Barkley marathons, but kind of on a bigger desert scale. And so for people that don't know what Barkley is, I mean, we don't, it's, it's really well known at this point, but it's just an absolute cluster in like Tennessee. What happens is this old guy sets the course. It's very random. You have to collect pages out of a book and you like route guide the whole thing. There's no like route, but I don't know. And there's not really a set distance either. People kind of think it's like in the ballpark of a hundred miles plus or minus 25. Um, the entrance fee is like whatever the guy needs that year. So it could be like flannel t-shirts or, you know, whatever. So anyway, I love this because ultra running, like only we could get away with that, you know? (laughs) And so I want to talk to you, like, how was your relay experience doing this? And then how was it solo? What do you reflect back on? Yeah. So I did the relay two years ago. And I was with a group from New Orleans. Um, Some of them I knew pretty well. Some of them I didn't know that well. And we had two RVs and we sort of split our team in half. And so I was with the same group of people for like 48 hours in an RV. And you're running, you know, the other RV is running for like six hours and then you're kind of off. And so we would go do really fun stuff. We like found a brewery in like the middle of Death Valley with like nothing around it and like eight ribs. Like it was like, we were just having we were just having fun. And then while you are running, you're literally like trying to sprint one to three miles, like as fast as you can. And it was just a huge adventure. I think, you know, I, I really value, I I grew up going to summer camp. I run a summer camp time outside, like in community is something that's really important to me. And I think you have to make conscious choices as an adult to like get the opportunity to have that with other adults. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. And the relay really felt like sort of this incredible opportunity to spend time with adults doing a crazy thing and also having a ton of fun. And it made me want to consider doing the solo. I basically like during the relay was like, I think I want to do this. I want to try to do the solo run. Um, And so it started back in March and I like had this inkling that I wanted to do it. Um, But the relay is incredible. Yeah. And it's, it seems like a very different experience, right? Like the relay seems like a completely different adventure than solo. Is that kind of how you felt going through it? Yeah. The relays, um, you know, takes the fastest people do it in like 30 something hours or 29 hours. We took, I think like close to 46 hours. The, the solo adventure was my time was 84, 45 and like the next fastest person was at 90 hours. It's just like, you're out there so much longer. Like it, it just takes a lot longer. And I think the other biggest difference is with the relay, you're sort of like having the experience with everyone because you're only running for like 20 minutes at a time. And then, so you're not missing out on, but I was like, I wasn't in the RV for 85 hours. Like I took a nap a couple of times, but my friends that were my crew, they had a whole other life that I don't even know about, except for when they were like, we're running with me. And I got one-on-one time with every single person for hours and hours. 
Um, but I think that the sort of like intensity when you're doing solo versus relay is really different. Um, yeah, that I think that's so cool. And I want to talk a little bit about your crew with the solo because it gets me massively oh. hyped because it's like literally all women. Well, yeah. I want you to explain it. Can you yeah. talk us through your crew for the solo? Yes. Um, well, first of all, I'm obsessed with them. They're the best people on the earth. And I had nine exceptional women. Um, Ashley, Alyssa, Denali, Emily, Hallie, Lauren, Lindsay, Maggie, and Maria. Um, and they're just amazing. They're all um, New Orleans runners. And I have known some of them a really long time. Maggie's my wife, so I know her really well. Um, <laughs> and um, some of them I like have just started running with in the last couple of months or year. And we decided that we wanted to do an all-female crew as a sort of way of displaying the power that women have. And I think there's like um, a lot of really sort of depressing statistics about like women coverage of women in sports in the media and sort of opportunities for women, female athletes. Um, and so I think we, the reason, part of the reason that we had an all female team was because we just wanted to show what was possible and it was, it exceeded every expectation. Well, I, let's hype you guys up a little bit. I mean, you did win. We did win. Yes. Literally so cool. So, I mean, I was going to say that at some point in here, but like you won the whole thing, which is yeah. crazy and so it, cool. Yeah. And female team, like that really goes to show that like, if you do a really good community pushing you through, like you can get stuff done. Yeah. And they put in so much work. We had a ton of meetings beforehand to like prep for all the worst case scenarios. And then they just really executed on our, we had a, we had a solid plan. Like I really am proud of the plan that we built together. And then they just like really executed and they helped me through the lows and they were so much fun. I think that was, we were like, we just want to go out there and literally have more fun than everyone else. And also we want to do as well as we possibly can. Like I want to run it as fast as I'm capable of running it while having so much fun. And I, and I feel like we really weren't, we really nailed it. And it's because of all of the people that were there and everyone, everyone had different personalities and played a different role, but like leaned into what they needed to do and showed up for me in different ways. And it's been just like such a, such a gift to have these relationships and it's, it, yeah, it's the best. Oh, that's so cool. And I love the attitude of like, we're going to have a lot of fun. That is like the priority. I love this idea that like, you have to be very intentional with these experiences as adults, because you don't just get, your parent doesn't sign you up for summer camp anymore. Like we used to get, you know, and then you go and you're like, this is sick. Thanks mom and dad. Like now it's like, I have to a train B I got to organize this massive group. Like there's so many more logistics that go into having these experiences, but it isn't to say that you can't have them. Like you can still go out there and craft these beautiful experiences. I want to talk about the communication within your group. Like I heard you talk a little bit about the fact that you would like reverse engineer your experiences. So you'd be like, I kind of want this to look like this. Yeah. I'm saying this in the most vague way possible. Can you explain yeah. how you crafted your vision and then communicated that to your group? Yeah, totally. I um, am very much a planner and an organizer and really like, I think that's part of what I really love about ultras is you can approach it a lot of different ways. And my approach is to like really plan it, read as much as I can about the race, like learn everything I can. And so I started with literally writing a story of what I wanted the finish line to feel like with my team. And then we like all read it. And then we talked about what needed to happen to make that come true. And I use that strategy when I'm planning events for camp, when I'm, you know, when I thought about 
my wedding. Like I use this strategy in like a variety of realms um, because I think it's really helpful. And um, so we started with that and there were parts that I took on. So, you know, the route and the planning of that and the determination of my own pacing and sleeping strategies, like all that I designed. Uh, one key element that my my crew really took on took over was just like how to make sure that we're all having fun. And so part of the reason we had nine people is I was like, if we only have three people, they're going to be exhausted and they're not going to be having fun by the end of it. And with nine, half the group was able to like go sleep for like 12 hours. And then the other half was able to go sleep for 12 hours. And I don't know that everyone slept. There's a lot of excitement, <laughs> um, but there was opportunities to recharge so that more fun could be had so that energy could be brought when it needed to be brought. And we thought through sort of things that could derail us from hitting that goal and making that what we imagined at the finish line um, sort of not come true. And then we planned for those things. And some of them came true, some of them didn't. Can you, would you be able to give us like a tangible example of something you like plan for? Cause I feel like this idea is really helpful of like, yeah. okay, I want this experience to feel like this, yeah. communicate it back to your group. And then that way everyone's on the same page. Cause I really struggle with the expectation versus reality bit and how yeah. to kind of communicate it. So could you give us an example of like how sure. you planned it? Um, totally. So, um, you know, I uh, sort of imagined one of the parts of this is that I would come into the RV after running and I broke my the race down into 10 mile segments, roughly. So I would run 10 miles and then I would see the RV again. I would restock my pack. I would get snacks and then I would switch runners, um, people who are running with me. And so we talked a lot and sort of imagined like, what's the ideal circumstance when Lucy comes to the RV? Like how, how do we make sure that that is like the most successful possible? And so some things that we did whoever I was running with leading to the RV would sort of like with a couple miles left, be like, what do you want at the RV? Do you know, what do we need? Anything we need to tell them. And so we might say like, if a lot of the stops are at like fast food restaurants, because it was easy, it had a bathroom. And so if we were at a McDonald's, I might be like, I really want French fries. I'm going to go to the bathroom really quickly. I need to get more waters. I need to restock my salt pills. And we would sort of take this time while we were running to like make the list. And then um, whoever I was running with would send it up to the RV. And then when I got to the RV, basically like I would hand my pack to someone and then they would like do all the magic with it. And another thing was that since there's nine of them, I really was like, I love all of you, but I can't talk to nine people and I can't have nine people like asking me questions, maybe early on, like whatever. But like when I'm 200 miles in, I'm going to be like overwhelmed. Yeah. Like don't, so, I don't want four people asking me how I feel. I, I literally need to say it maybe zero, but no more than one time. <laughs> that was one thing I was like, don't ask me how I feel. Yep. It's really yep. I don't, I don't, it's irrelevant. <laughs> I will tell you, I'll tell you probably how I'm feeling, but, um, so they were really great. And we planned for like one person to be, and it, it wasn't necessarily the same person every time it sort of was like, who's not going to run, who's not napping, who's not running next, who's not napping. It was sort of who's available. So we didn't have, have like strict assignments, but it was like one person talks to Lucy, um, to get the important information that might be, wasn't, maybe wasn't shared. And then it was a quick break. Someone was timing me being like, you got three minutes left, two minutes left, one minute left. Um, and if it was a longer break, we tried to get through all that stuff first so that I could then sit there if I was supposed to eat, if I had 30 minutes to like eat stuff, I wanted to chat with everyone and like laugh while I was eating. And so we would kind of all sit around. I'm like trying to shovel ramen in my face and like trying not to puke and, and 
like it was super fun because we were all joking and laughing and um and I think the reason we had time to do that is because we like sort of had the the first part of the stops really dialed in um and so I was I was really proud when I like watched that happen multiple times over and over again I was like all right they got it we got it we're good at this yeah, you like design a little system and then when you see it work, it's just like so rewarding. It's almost as rewarding as like the running is because the running is you, you know, like you just show up and do it. You do it every day, whatever. But when you see like your little unit working the way it's supposed to in its little community, like that is so cool. And I love the idea that you were very intentional about making space for like that joy you were like, it's not going to come by itself. Like, I feel like that's really easy. Just thinking your brain. I have a bunch of cool people coming with me. We'll all have a great time. Like, no, it, it sometimes goes awry and you really put all your steps out to like, or planned it out the way you wanted to see it go. And I just like, really love that idea. Well, and they really helped. I sort of said to them, make sure I'm having fun. And then they had all these like fun surprises planned. So they had videos from people that couldn't be with me. They had, um, like at one point I showed up and there were sparklers, they had glow sticks, they had a bubble gun. They like would get me fun snacks that I like didn't know were going to be there. And so, um, we planned theme days. So we did, um, the first day was sort of regular. They wore these hats that said Lucy on them. Yeah. The second day was a Tuesday. So we all dressed in Mardi Gras colors and, um, for, to celebrate a little bit New Orleans, the third day was Wednesday. And so we all wore pink as a nod to the mean girls um, moment. And then Thursday, we all dressed jazz fest shirts are sort of like iconic button down fun patterns. And so we all wore those. Um, and then the final day was Friday, which we didn't get to do because I finished before then, which is really fun. Um, but we were going to wear tie dyed shirts for my camp. We all tie dyed live oak t-shirts. Um, and so that was an example of a pre-planned one, but there was tons of surprises that my crew planned that really like boosted my mood in the right moments. Oh, that is so cool. I'm totally obsessed with this energy. It's giving summer camp, but in the best way, you know yes. what I mean? Like you're I kept telling people while I was yeah, running, I, mean, I, was like, oh, I this love it. This is just like camp. Yeah. It's adult camp, but we are going to run 300 miles. ish. Yeah. <laughs> Small detail. Just we're going to run 300 miles, but this is pretty much the same as summer camp. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. I want to talk about, do you have any advice for people that feel like they don't have this community yet? They're kind of looking for it, craving it. What advice do you have for someone looking to build their community? Yeah, definitely. I run with a run crew in New Orleans called the 504th. I've been running with them since 2017 when they started and now I'm one of the captains. And so if you live in a city where there's run crews, I would, I would look them up. You can a lot of times find them on Instagram. Um, but I think that's a really great way to meet people that like to run. And a lot of them are very welcoming and have a wide range of paces. Um, I briefly moved to Boston a couple of years ago for literally nine months. And I was working remotely with, for the people in New Orleans. And so I was like, all right, I got to find some friends and I don't have work as an option. So I literally went to like four different run crews a week and just was like, let me make some friends at these run crews. And so I, I would really recommend that. Um, and then you know, if you can find, if, if there's no run crew in your city, but you can find a couple friends who like maybe want to try out running, I think signing up for the same race and then sort of training together for it is a really great way to like build a community. And I think spending time running side by side with someone is such a powerful way to get to know them. Even if you don't know them super well, there's something about sharing miles running, even if you're run walk, whatever pace you're doing, you're going to have conversations that I think are, are harder to have when you're like, sitting across from each other at 
a lunch table or something like that. Totally. Well, and I don't know if you feel this way at all, but like depending on the run or the movement you're doing, you can a little bit get trauma bonded like through the miles. And I say that in a very light way, like as there are people that physically do experience trauma, but like you, and I'm not referring to like the, you know, that trauma more of like a light joking, like running is hard and like you can experience some things together that are just heinous, you know, like you no. could never draw this up in your plan of your day. And all of a sudden you're in some picket, like, I don't know. Yeah. I can think of a million ways where like my running partners have seen me at some low lows and some high highs. And I think this can go like beyond running per se. And I think like moving with friends yeah, and it totally. could be running, it could be biking. It could be like, I don't know. It could be baking bread together. I think though, the act of like doing things together is so magical and something we didn't get in COVID and now yep. we have the opportunity to do. Totally. We um, had a bunch of things we've said over and over again, mantras, I guess, sort of while we were running the speed project. And one of them was like, I just love playing outside with my friends. And that's like how we framed it. I was like, I'm not really running 300 miles. I'm just playing outside with my friends. And I think that that can apply to a million different things, but, but just doing something with friends and activity my preference is it, that it's outside, but I think what you said earlier, like baking bread, great example, like a, just an activity that gets you connected with someone and trying something new or learning a new skill. Um, yeah. Really and fun. I think, I think the newness, sometimes when you're in that vulnerable space, learning something new, I mean, it's scary. Vulnerability is a really scary place to be in, but that's where like a lot of growth and bonding happens because like, for example, for summer camp, I remember getting dropped off, having no clue who anyone was. I'm like, this is crazy. And then by the end of the two weeks, you're like, I am literally your sister. So fun to meet, you know? So that's like an extreme example, but it's like, like, like I'm trying to say, it's not just running. You and I are like running nerds. We could talk about it forever, but like you could do this in any new thing you're trying to learn. It could be an old friend where you're trying to kind of revamp the relationship and you want to learn something new together. It could be learning or finding friends in these new spaces. I just think it's really cool. So I freaking love that. It's so cool. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, love it. um I want to talk a little bit about some things you didn't expect. So we talked about the planning, the kind of reverse engineering these experiences. What were some issues that you guys came into that you did not expect? Well, um, I was preparing for it to be 100 degrees because it was like 100 degrees when we did the relay. And that's actually, I think, the normal temperature. We had exceptional weather. It was like a high of 60, low of 40. And there were it rained overnight, um, two, two nights pretty intensely. Um, but luckily I had the right clothes. We had some like gas station ponchos that, you know, the clear kind that are like a dollar. And so like, I'm wearing that and like running along and it's like literally gusting wind and and sheets of rain. Um, and then I ended up just going to sleep at that point because I was like, this is too much. This, I just need to go to bed. Um, and so I think the, the sort of like, positively it was much cooler than we thought and so that was a great thing and unexpected and then sort of the the ton the amount of rain and cold I think some solo runners even experienced like sleet or like near snow conditions so that was I think pretty unexpected but um luckily we kind of knew that going into the weather and I also this is like a sort of crazy 
I flew to LA directly from Guatemala where I was scoping out a future wilderness trip for Live Oak. And so I had like climbed a volcano like four days before and like had all the clothes that were, that I needed for that like cold weather volcano climb. And so that was useful, but it was sort of a, a, my team was like, your legs better not be sore after you hike this volcano. That is so <laughs> insanely awesome. That's like so cool. I was like, I can't turn down a trip. I can't not go to Guatemala. I'm just going to fly right to LA afterwards. Yeah. And like, here's the other thing. I truly think though, those experiences make you really resilient because it's not, you didn't orchestrate this experience to fit perfectly in your life. You just kind of saw a window. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then you found another window for this trip. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And it's going to be fine. It doesn't need to be perfect. And I love that energy because- if we wait for things to be perfect, it's never going to happen. Yeah. I, um, one of the funnier things also sort of unexpected. I had reserved this rental car that we need to drive on the power line. Like it's essential, or I'm going to have to change my route entirely. I'd reserved it months in advance and I get a call. Somehow I'll have service momentarily at the foot of the volcano from the rental car agency. And they're like, yeah, we don't have a car for you. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm going to LA in like two days. That is a huge unexpected thing. What ended up happening? I'm so interested. Luckily, I was, luckily everyone I was with, it was, it's a very small group. The other folks that work on Live Oak and then our guide and a partner that we have in Guatemala who runs an outfitter that leads trips. I was like, y'all, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to like make a phone call right now. We're like on a volcano. I have a little bit of business to tend to. I'm very sorry. So I, um, it was sort of one of those crazy circumstances where like there was a shortage of the car, but like the woman who was telling me like, couldn't fix the reservation. I had to call customer service. I don't need to go into the details of it, but I ended, I, I was extremely frustrated and then also tried to like take a deep breath and be very kind to the people on the phone. Cause I was like, they're the only people that can help me get a car. And long story short, I got a car for more days than I originally had it booked for a hundred dollars less. So it all worked out. But like, I'm on the volcano in Guatemala, like chatting on the phone with like Avis rental in California. <laughs> That's so that was, insane. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, the other thing that is true about the question, what did, what did we not expect is that the race went exceptionally well. And we like sort of knew, like we got, it was one of those moments where I've, I've been in races where everything that can go wrong does. And this was just not that. So, you know, it just felt like, um, I like often deal with nausea in races. And so I was like, I know this is happening when it happens here. The, the, I try Tums, I try ginger candies. I take, um, I eat ramen noodles. I throw up and I keep going. And, can and I that you happened quickly? twice. Can I, yeah. For people that aren't ultra adjacent, like this is yeah. very normal. Like it is totally it literally insane, but like that happens most often than not. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think oh, it no. is an important note. Like, yeah, that sounds a little nuts, but like that is very common in these longer yeah. races. Shit, shit literally happens. <laughs> yep. And so I sort of knew that that was going to happen. I like really prepped my team because not all of them are ultra runners. Like my crew is all, they're all runners but not all of them have done long, long distances. And I was like, y'all, I'm gonna puke for sure. Like for sure. So at mile 50, I did. And at mile 80, and then after that, I didn't the rest of the time. And and they were like, what? 
this is amazing. So that was sort of a pot again, a positively unexpected thing. Um, and then I also promised them not promised. I also said, you know, the first time I ran a 100 mile race, um, it took me 25 hours and the last probably like three, two to three hours of the race. I thought I was seeing like a man with a tractor, like in the woods ahead of me or like yeah. rocks for all snakes. I was like, there's snakes everywhere. And I was like, for sure, y'all, I'm probably going to hallucinate like at the end of this race, because it's like three times longer than a hundred mile race. And I didn't the entire time. They were like, I'm kind of mad at you. I was excited for you to see crazy things. Yeah. Like we wanted that content and yeah. we didn't get it. <laughs> exactly. They were like, it would have been so good for Instagram if you could have been seeing crazy things. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't see anything. I'm, just, I'm, I'm actually along. doing exceptionally well. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, those are, I think those are the main things that were unexpected. And most of them are like positively unexpected. No, well, what I was going to say is I feel like when I framed that question, I was kind of expecting there to be some like pretty bad unexpected things because that is just the nature of the sport. Like it can come yeah. unhinged very quickly. Oh, I got stories for you if you want them, just not from this race. <laughs> no, and that's the point though. What I wanted to say is like, I think your experience is the exception to this. And I think that's yeah. really cool because like- your mindset can really affect what you're doing out there on the course. And like when things start going positively, that's incredible. I, I think I do a really good job, like self-prophesizing, like what's going to happen in a negative way. Like I'm, I predict the negative mm. and then it happens because I just don't set myself up for success. So I love that. Like you kind of really made the space for joy, built a team that was really cool and you prep them for the worst, but you also, it ended up being the best. Yeah. And I think there's part of my strategy in these ultras is to be sort of like, um, just absurdly positive because it's just, that is what works for me. And that doesn't work for everyone. And it's important to be realistic about like limitations to your body and like be safe and all that. But I think what I've found is that like the, so much of this is mental. There's, you have to be physically fit to a certain extent. There's no doubt. I trained a ton. I, my body was definitely ready for it but so much of it is mental. And I've seen that countless times with people that I've been running with in other ultras where they don't believe that they can run the pace or the distance they're running. And then it comes true because they just don't believe it about themselves. Um, and so one of the things that that was a, a strategy for me was just to be absurdly positive. And my, and the crew that I picked is also just people that know and um, can be really positive also. So over and over again, I said, like, running is so fun. And even when I didn't believe it, I was like, I'm just going to gaslight myself into thinking that running is fun because like, that's, that's where we are right now. That's, that's what we're doing. And so we said that over and over again, and it, it's kind of a joke. It, it is definitely not always fun, but that is what I told myself over and over again. And it got, it kept me going. Yeah. Well, I think there's something relevant and like, you kind of do need to fake it till you make it because yeah. you'll convince yourself you can do it. And I, I like this idea of like the imposter syndrome. I don't know if you felt that way at all. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, did you ever come across that feeling of like, I don't even know if I can do this. Oh yeah. So I, um, I was in, I was a little nervous before, but like not a ton. And then I went on this trip to Guatemala, was like really focused on like exploring Guatemala and like imagining kids going to see it for the first time, having like never left New Orleans and like was weeping at the top of the volcano about the idea of like a kid seeing the, the volcano erupt. Like, so I had all these other things in my mind. And then I get to the airport in Guatemala 
to fly to LA and I'm with Jack, who's like my brother. Um, he, we've run 150 plus hours of ultra races, like side by side, like and is so this, much time. Is this the person that got you into ultras? Okay. Yes. Very cool. Very and cool. so I like look over at him and I'm starting to get like extremely nervous. And it's like a nervousness that I honestly haven't felt in a really long time, maybe like since I was a kid. And I was like, Jack, I just like, am so nervous about this race very suddenly. And he was like, okay, like, why don't you eat dinner? You're about to get on the flight. Like, why don't you eat dinner? And I was like, I can't decide what to eat. He's like, okay, I'm going to go get you some dinner. And he like literally (laughs) went and bought me a Subway sandwich, put it in front of me. I was like, eat this dinner, Lucy. You're going to be fine. You're really prepared. You can do this. And I think that sort of um, surrounding myself with people that really believe in me and also are going to like recognize when I like might need some help you know, might need to be told just like, eat this meal because you're probably hungry. And that's probably like part of why you're nervous. Um, you know, I was, I arrived at LA and some of my crew were there already. I like told them I was feeling really nervous. And then we just kept me distracted and busy. And once I started running, I was like, all right, I'm just, I'm just running 10 miles and then I'm going to run 10 miles again. And then I'm going to run 10 miles again. And I think the key for me is like, when I had those doubts, I was around people that were like, there's no reason for this. Like, just keep going. You're doing great. You're prepared. You put in the work, you can do it because everyone's going to have those doubts at some point. And I think how you talk to yourself about your own doubts and how you surround yourself with people who, how they talk to you really changes your mindset and changes how you feel. I could not co-sign that more. That is just, I got to let that sink in for a second. That is just, I needed to hear that. I think today of all days, but um, I think that goes way beyond running. I think absolutely. It goes like that goes into career stuff. You just need to surround yourself with people that support you. And like that it's like, yeah, it is crazy. It is nuts. That's why so few people want to do this, but that is important. You need to listen to your gut. And like, so what I'm trying to get at is like, you can apply this thinking to your career, to relationships, to like trying a whole different hobby. And I think it's so rad. And I love that like outdoor things teach us skills that apply to other parts of our life. And I think really build a belief in yourself because, you know, even if your doubt might be stronger than the doubt that I was feeling in the airport, you know, and if you have enough people telling you like sort of providing counter evidence to that doubt, like eventually you start to believe it yourself. And I think I feel really lucky and I think I work hard to try to intentionally surround my people, myself with people who are really positive and supportive and, and believe in me and believe in themselves. And, and I think, but that all fuels more of that positive, positive feelings and belief. Right. Right. And I do think there's something important to say, like you also need people that are going to call your bullshit. If, yeah. if you're not ready to do stuff like this, like You did a lot of planning, a lot of training behind the scenes. I mean, like hours of training, you set yourself up for this. You also need people that are going to keep you accountable and are going to say, you're putting yourself in a situation I don't think is the best. I don't know if you have thoughts about that. Like when do you, how do you balance like the negative feedback with the positive, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that part of it is, um, surrounding yourself with people that you really trust and whose opinions you really value to sort of give you honest feedback and know when you maybe haven't thought about something and it's like going to be unsafe. You haven't, you know, considered a new angle or a perspective that you should. And so I think um, the balance and the trust in the people to both be supportive and believe in you and also be realistic is 
really essential because otherwise you could set yourself up for failure or, you know, risk that you don't need to be in. Yeah. And like failure isn't a bad thing either. I think it teaches a lot of lessons, but like when things are high consequence, I think that's when you need to start thinking about it. And like running is a risky sport in the sense that like a lot of runners get injured. The injury risk is really high, but like the consequence is pretty low, like all things considered versus like mountain climbing. You don't always get injured that often, but the consequence is really high. So just maybe take some time. And I did not come up with that. I heard Alex Honnell say that. I want to make that very clear, but like it really stuck with me because just start to tease out what are these risks, what's important to you, what's objective, what's subjective, and then go from there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think you can, the more you're aware of them, the um, the planner in me is like, well, I can plan for them if I'm aware of them. And so you know, when I was in high school and college, I had stress fractures and like my femur and my hips and from running too much. And as an adult, I've been able to say, okay, I, I like, I'm really careful about how much I ramp up my training. I'm thoughtful about doing other things besides just running. And so I think the awareness around the risks helps you make sure that you can continue to do what you love to do or try something new or, you know, um, while also being safe. Oh my gosh. I love that. I also suffered from a stress fracture. That was like a really big mental impact, I think more than physical. And it's something I still struggle with, with running. How do you balance proper training with all the other stuff with being a human? You know, it's hard. Yeah. It is hard. Okay, Lucy, I want to get into some things that are a little bit fun. What are you really excited about right now? Um, I Let's see. I am super excited about getting to spend this summer in Mississippi, which is, it's going to be my ninth summer. Um, it, it'll be Live Oaks ninth summer. So I like, that's one thing I just like count down the days to. I spend most of like the second, the spring counting down the days till we get to go to camp. The other thing that I'm really pumped about right now is running fast. I spent like months and months running um, for just a really long time. And so um, yesterday I go to Orange Theory like twice a week. And yesterday I PR'd on the treadmill for the mile. I ran a 530 mile for the first time ever in my life. And that was super fun. Um, And then... My friend Lindsay is getting a tattoo today because of the speed project. So that's another thing I'm amped about. These are all sick things. Like I want to touch on all of them. I really want to talk about the running fast thing. So I just had a weird experience. I signed up for an ultra. I ended up saying no to it because I just was like way too stressed with too many things. My body wasn't training well with the stress, which was a lesson in itself. But I ended up running like a marathon in one of my training runs or whatever. And it was a slog. Like it was snowing. All this stuff happened. And I just called it, you know, after that, I'm like, I just, the stress is a lot right now and that's okay. But I just ran like a 5k, like my fastest 5k in five years. Like, and I just, I was at triathlon club. They're like, you're running three miles, go get after it. And (laughs) like, it's so funny how you can just like flip a switch, new, new gears are turned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's been really fun. I've like was resisting when I was training for speed project, like running too fast because I didn't want to get injured. It's just like a different impact on your body. And so I was like holding back a bunch so that I could run more miles at a different pace, which was hard in in a different way. But since I've been back, I've been really like full sending it on the treadmill and it's been really fun. I don't know what my mile time on land would be, but it's nice to set it on the treadmill and just be like, as long as I can hold on, I'm going to get this time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can like physically see the success. You know what I yes, mean? Exactly. It's like the little dot is running around the track and I'm just yeah. like, 
going and then imagining that I'm on a real track, which that's I'm so gonna... cool. Oh my God. Yeah, so that's pretty fun. Love it. Okay. Um, something right now. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say my friend Lindsay is getting a tattoo that says running is a team sport. Um, and that is a phrase that we said over and over again at the speed project. And it was partially a bet I have a temporary one right now. We got to hear it. I need to, oh, that's so sick. I'm literally writing it down right now because I think it's going to be the title of the episode. Oh, amazing. Good. Running as a team sport, it doesn't just come from the Speed Project. Lindsay's one of the founders of the 504th. And so this has been like something that she believes and has believed for a long time. So it's both that. And we talked about that the whole time we were running, how this is like a team sport, how we were doing it all together. And it was a really important part thing to me because while I was running solo the whole time, there is absolutely no way I finish in the time that I did without the team of people that was behind me. And I feel really proud of that team and grateful for that team forever. And I was raising money for Live Oak to buy some 15 passenger vans during the speed project. We, we do wilderness trips all over the country and we rent vans currently. And so if we own our own, we can give more money for scholarships to kids. And so we were trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars. I was a small part of it, but I got to 10,000. And the deal was if I hit $10,000 of fundraising, Lindsay was going to get a tattoo. So I think I was at like six or something when I finished. And then we just kept posting. And I have friends that are like, I'm donating twice, like once under my dog's name. I really want Lindsay to get a tattoo. Lindsay's dad donated. I was like, Does, do you know she's getting a tattoo because of this? Like, it, so we hit the goal and she's going today to get it at four, like right after this. At four this is incredible news because not only is it happening today, it also yeah. is one of the most awesome things ever. That's so sick. Do you think yeah. you're also going to get the tattoo? I don't know. I don't have any tattoos. So I have this, like I have currently on my arm, a one that will last for two weeks. So I'm going to see, I'm going to see how it feels. Jury's out. Maybe if you do it next year, I heard, are there plans to do speed project next year? Yes. I would like to do speed project next year. Um, transparently part of me is intimidated by the fact that like everything went so well this year yeah. that I'm like, how could it possibly go this well again? But I also really love a challenge. And so I want to do it again. Part of me is flirting with the idea of doing the 340 mile route which one of the runners this year did, this guy Cole, he did it. And I think it would be pretty cool to do. I, the, th the thing that is challenging for me is like, I really don't love road running and it's entirely roads. Like my favorite sections were the power line sections because it was trail. Um, so to be determined, but I would really like to be out there again next year. I would like to race. I would like to try to be faster than I was. Um, and likely have an all-female crew again so oh my god I'm so hyped like I just am sitting here I'm like I am waiting the day I want to hear all about <laughs> this it's so cool Lucy thank you so much for all your insight and like I feel like we could talk for literally ever about a bunch of different things so thank yeah. you for honing it in with me and like talking about all these beautiful things I really appreciate it yeah I had a ton of fun thank you so much for having me um, yeah. this is really awesome and I also feel like we could just keep talking for you know hours <laughs> You can find us at In Her Nature Pod on Instagram and TikTok and In Her Nature Pod at gmail.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. Music by Tommy Zalewski and The Porch Flowers. All our design work is by Riley Johnson at REJ Design. Don't forget the stuff is in your nature.